Rewind, your week in review, is sponsored by the Wisconsin Realtors Association, bringing Wisconsin communities to life with great homes, businesses, and neighborhoods. The Wisconsin Realtors Association, the voice of real estate. This program is brought to you from Wisconsinized Margaret Farrow Studio. This week on Rewind, your week in review, the push to reform Wisconsin's marijuana laws. Assembly Republicans propose their plan to legalize medical cannabis with a series of restrictions. Plus, a Racine County judge grants Republicans a victory in another election lawsuit related to mobile voting sites. And the long shot attempt to recall one of the most powerful Republicans at the state capitol. All that and more on Rewind, your week in review for January 12th. Hi, I'm Emily Bannon. And I'm J.R. Ross. Jared, this week we're going to begin with medical marijuana after mm -hmm. Assembly Republicans held a series of regional press conferences. And this was very expected, as we knew that Assembly Speaker Robin Voss said they were on the cusp of proposing this bill. But it would be one of the most restrictive in the country. And this proposal comes days after Governor Tony Evers did signal support that if a medical marijuana bill landed at his desk, he would sign it. But he was a little lukewarm to the idea in some statements this week. And the bill in general is getting some mixed reviews from lawmakers. Here's what some of the highlights it would do. It would limit who could legally possess medical cannabis to roughly about 15 conditions, and it would treat some of the most uh, individuals who have like cancer and very chronic pain. It would also prohibit smokable cannabis. So that means that would legalize products such as gummies, pills, and tinctures. And it would allow the state to run dispensaries instead of private entities. So those are some of the highlights. Let's just first hear from some Republicans and Democrats that were a little critical of this proposal. We wanted to focus on putting a program together that would get the votes in the assembly to show that we actually were serious about getting this done. So one of the things that was the most concerning, and we still are working with our law enforcement partners, they wanted to have as close to a guarantee as we possibly could that this would not lead to recreational marijuana. So we are no longer going to have uh, you know every zip code with marijuana stores like they do in other states. It's going to be a few around the state on state facilities controlled by the state in the way that we think is the best to find a balance between the needs of the patient and the safety of the public. It does feel very much like this bill is picking winners and losers. It is a really serious issue, um, and it is clear that people in Wisconsin are excited um, and anxious for us to get this done, but it's vitally important we get it done right. So we got the details of this bill. It's actually a very hefty bill, and we've heard some like I said, mixed reviews. I think the one caveat here is that there are a series of Republicans that just have a big problem with the state operating these dispensaries. Under the bill, it would be covered by DHS. They'd open five of them, uh, only five in the state, and people could go there to get products. We also heard from Senate Majority Leader Devin Lemahue earlier this week that he's really not a fan of that provision. And one of the big caveats is it doesn't even have a Senate sponsor. Yeah, so... The question is, is Robin Boss having, a, doing a good faith attempt to get something done, or is this political? So the political piece is, let's not forget, Republicans have struggled with voters on a couple of issues of statewide elections the last few cycles. One of them is abortion, obviously. It's been the headline grammar, but pot's another one. Last Marquette poll asked in 2019, I think more than 80% of people favored legalizing medical marijuana. It's nearly two-thirds of voters want to legalize marijuana for recreational use. Republicans are not there on the ladder. They are dipping their toe in the water a little bit with medical marijuana to kind of show that they're making progress. And, you know, Robin believes in it. I mean, let's be honest. For seven years he's talked about, sure. mm -hmm. he thinks it's something that's an alternative to opioids. 
But is this the bill to vehicle to get something done? Okay, so you mentioned there's no Senate co-author. Mary Falskowski, Republican from Irma up in northern Wisconsin, she's been the lead advocate in the Senate Republican Caucus for medical marijuana, got a hearing last session on her bill, the first time that's happened in the Capitol. She's not on board because of the dispensary issue. She wants a private sector approach. So I've been asking people, like, is this real or is this just trying to put some out there, put in mail pieces for some of the Republicans this fall that we advocated for this? And opinions split, but they definitely feel like there's a political component to this. So my question is, is Robin laying down a marker for a negotiating tactic? This is classic boss, right? Throw something out there, see if the Senate moves, get something done. But we've got six weeks left in the session, not a lot of time for something big to get done. So it feels like this is something he believes in, but people I talk to don't think it's real to get something done because there's so many issues with it. Now, the dispensary issue. Why would Robin want to go the government-run approach, right? Because that's antithetical to Republicans. They don't want to do big government. Well, the answer I heard was that if you have a government-run facility, you're not going to have billboards on the interstate saying, come to Emily's dispensary and get your medical marijuana. There's no incentive to grow your customer base, right? So that's a kind of a roadblock toward full legalization because Robin has said over and over again, they're not going to go there. And that approach may be part of that nod to that part of the Republican base of we don't want an incentive to move farther than medical marijuana. I think that's interesting, too, because we know most Democrats want full mm-hmm. recreational marijuana. We know Governor Evers wants to go that route. We we know Governor Evers said that he would likely, you know, compromise on a bill like this, but he hasn't really fully dived into whether if this would get across his desk, if he would sign it. Um, and, and that was the big uh, issue that we heard from Voss at a press conference that we heard from in South Beloit, is that we are not going that route. And keeping it this restrictive and having the state oversee these operations. That is how he can, he says he can get Assembly Republicans to pass the bill, but also to ease a lot of concerns that people believe that this could just almost be a launching point mm-hmm. to full recreational. Um, also interesting is that it wouldn't be taxed um, here in the state of Wisconsin. We know that we've seen many reports of how much money Wisconsin is losing out um, from uh, residents going to uh, Minnesota or going to Illinois and the multi-million dollars that they're making off of this. That's another thing Rahman said. He said, I don't really care for that. If you're in chronic pain, I want you to be able to get your medicine and not have to pay a huge hefty tax after this. But in the end, I think it's just interesting to see as this goes through the committee process, which Robin said it will be in public hearings and over the next few weeks, will there be amendments to the bill? Will the state-run dispensaries be taken out of the bill? I mean, I, I don't know. Who knows? But I think that's something to watch for going forward. Yes, absolutely. Huge challenge to get done in six weeks. Right. All right. And speaking about another thing that they want to get done before they uh, end this legislative session is tax cuts. Senator Lemahieu was at a Wiz Politics event uh, on Thursday, and he floated some minimal details on what he's calling a middle-income tax cut. So families that earn about $200,000 would see an income tax cut under a new bill that Senate Republicans are crafting. Lemmyhew said he's working with Senator Howard Markline uh, on this proposal. And he said the bill would target the middle class by expanding the second income tax bracket to include more taxpayers. Let's just first hear a little bit from Lemmyhew, who is calling this uh, a, a bill that he believes can get bipartisan support, given Governor Evers had vetoed a similar uh, or vetoed a lot of Republican tax cuts that he said uh, benefit the wealthy. Let's take a listen. 
We're taking that second tax bracket, which starts at 28,000-something uh, individually, 36,000-something as a family, and we're going to expand that 4.4% up. Um, that's something that, you know, the governor wants to lower middle class taxes. So if we cap that at 150, 200,000, somewhere in there, that's the middle class. You know, that's something that's affordable for the state and uh, provides real tax relief for the vast majority of Wisconsin families. The proposal is still being hammered out, so we don't have full details on this. Lemme, when I asked him, he said the bill will be coming out soon, so mm-hmm. who knows when that's coming through. But I think the big question here. Is this going to be a bill that Evers would support? I reached out to his spokeswoman. Uh, they gave a very vague response, not responding directly to this bill, but said uh, basically reiterated to his veto message in the lax uh, tax cut proposal that he would veto. That was about $3 billion. He was concerned about using too much of the state surplus and running out of the rainy day fund. So I love numbers, as you know. Uh, let's talk numbers. So right now are projected, projected to have a $4 billion surplus at the end of this biennium in mid-2025. There was a bill before the Finance Committee this week that was part of that package brought in Boston, negotiated with universities of Wisconsin leaders to curtail DEI. That includes taking about $400 million of that money and putting into the building project, cover a bunch of projects on the campuses. So we got $3.6 billion to work with roughly, all right? This is about a billion dollars. Are you down to 2.6? If every projection holds, Governor has said before he's got concerns about doing a big tax cut because we have more bills coming due 2025-27. We have increases for school aids, uh, Medicaid, all these programs. He's raised a concern that we may not have enough money to cover those bills without cuts. So will Evers go with something like this? Oh, by the way, this is a Senate Republican proposal. Again, two houses, two different majorities or two different um, priorities sometimes. We've seen bills about exemptions for retirement income, all kinds of ideas float around because it's an election year and there's money sitting around. So often have seen ideas to spend it or uh, do tax cuts. Scott Walker did rebates some years mm-hmm. ago. Governor Evers proposed those. They were dismissed as gimmicks by Republicans. So they want to do something. I'm not sure they can agree on what to do with that money. And it goes back to that timeline. How much can they mm-hmm. get done in the next several weeks if they want to be done by March. All right. Uh, Let's move on to some public hearings that were held this week. We're going to focus on the assembly campaigns and elections because we know likely at some point there will be a legislative day to take up a series of some bipartisan proposals. Um, Let's highlight two of those right now. One would require candidates to disclose whether artificial intelligence is used in campaign ads. Another bipartisan bill that that received a second public hearing a few weeks ago was in the Senate. It would transform elections by allowing voters to rank their favorite candidate, a system referred to as Final Five. Let's just take a listen from some of the bill sponsors about that AI bill specifically, and then we'll talk a little bit about why there's some red flags right now from lawmakers of why this uh, information should be disclosed. The problem we're trying to solve right now has to do with artificial intelligence and deep fakes and how advanced they're getting where we can't distinguish fact from reality. Assembly Bill 666 it will fight back against disinformation. Um, But at the same time, we want to protect free speech, right? So we want to take a flexible approach on this. And by requiring any audio or video communication paid for by candidates and groups trying to influence elections, um, they have to contain a simple disclosure if the communication contains synthetic media such as like deep fakes. 
talking specifically about this AI bill, there's concerns about what's called deep fakes. Um, there has been some ads nationally, I would say. I don't think I've seen anyone in Wisconsin about using artificial intelligence, that it looks like someone, it sounds like someone, but it's actually not that individual. So the concerns from Republicans are that this could lead to a surge of misinformation, and we know about how misinformation in elections is something that lawmakers have been wanting to tackle for quite some time. Um, also worth noting that big tech companies like Meta, that's Facebook, Instagram, they already have policies in this in place that do disclose things. If you see a political ad on Facebook that uses AI, it will be uh, disclosed on there. So already happening in some instances. All right, let's move on to another voting-related issue this week. After a Wisconsin judge ruled that state law does not allow the use of mobile absentee voting sites, and this was used in Racine. So this is a victory for Republicans who had challenged Racine County's use of these voting mobile bans that traveled around the city back in 2022. Once again, JR, another lawsuit that's election related, but a little bit different this time because it's not specifically about, you know, absentee yeah. ballots. So some key nuances to this. The Elections Commission received a complaint about the use of this mobile voting ban in the city of Racine in the August 22 primary. This case was only about that complaint and only pertained to the August 22 primary. That said, the judge did rule that state law does not allow the use of these bans. Two reasons. Um, one, uh, two things important about this. Another thing is that he also ruled that the sites they picked in Racine had a bias toward Democrats. That's a problem. The big thing was state law doesn't expressly allow for vans, mobile sites. Just like in the Dropbox case with the state Supreme Court a couple of years ago, there's nothing in state law that expressly allows use of Dropbox. No ban either, but nothing expressly allows it. And this judge here is saying without an expression, you know, expressly allowing it, you can't do it. The challenge is going to be we have changed how we vote quite a bit in the last few years compared to 100 years ago, 50 years ago, 20 years ago. We have not adapted our laws to account for that, in part because Republicans are unhappy about how voting was done in 2020. Donald Trump has pushed a number of conspiracy theories about Wisconsin and what happened here. We are not going to adjust those laws between now and November. What I'm getting at is, will the state Supreme Court hear this case, hear other cases? There's a case out there right now to reverse a Dropbox decision, and find the reverse, that because there's no express ban on these things, they are allowed. We'll see. We have months to go. But for local clerks, this is like one more thing to say, yeah. okay, give me some clarity. I need something to know. How am I going to run now? The spring elections, you know, there are no statewide races on the uh, April ballot, no big ones. The mayor's race in Milwaukee and the county executive, they don't really get big challenges. So no big tests that we're seeing right now out there for the election system. But they really want to clear it by August, well ahead of August, you know, how we're going to run this election. And we're going to be in the eye of the storm once again in uh, November 2024. Right. And speaking of another election-related news that happened this week is that there was an effort that was launched and filed with the Wisconsin Elections Commission seeking to recall Assembly Speaker Robin Voss. So they filed a petition with WEC on Wednesday, and they targeted him specifically for, quote, blocking fair elections failing to impeach Megan Wolf, who is the administer of WEC, and opposing Donald Trump. This is the same group of individuals who have been on Assembly Speaker Robin Voss for many, many years. They even try to bring forth a challenge to him in the primary election in 2022. And But what's really interesting about this challenge is... I would say it's somewhat of a long shot. I mean, you're talking about this kicks off a 60-day window for Rochester Republicans and their opponents to collect nearly 7,000 valid signatures 
from adult residents in that district. And by the way, they want this timeline done. We're looking at possibly a recall effort by June. Um, it's just very going to be interesting to see where to watch where this goes from here. Look, uh, Democrats know how to do recall elections in Wisconsin. They proved that a dozen years ago. They know how to get signatures. There are some key things that are missing in this effort. One, you're in January and February when you're doing this. Um, there's a polar vortex coming next week. People are going to be out and about with that kind of weather. You need people in public to go get them, otherwise you're doing door, going door to door. That's a challenge. Looking at populations in this district, you have Burlington is 11,000 people. Uh, Sturdivant, 7,000 people. Union Grove is 5,000 people. Those aren't huge places to go, you know, the grocery store and camp out, find people. There's no big, giant mall to go grab folks. That's a challenge. Well, by the way, you need volunteers to do this. How many people are out there to go out and get them? Adam Steen in 2022 is challenging Robin Voss in the primary. Got less than 5,000 votes. So you need every Adam Steen voter, plus like 1,800 more, 2,000 more, to get the signatures needed. That's a challenge. So that's kind of like, ugh, can they get it done? Don't dismiss, though, as much as some want to. I mean, they're conservatives who are like, these guys are fringe element, not to be taken seriously, but don't forget, they're part of a group that spent $350,000 on TV, radio, and mail targeting Robin Voss when it comes to impeaching Megan Wolf. So you can't just dismiss them as a bunch of kooks because they got money. There's a former Trump advisor who's part of the effort. I mean, I don't know if they have a team enough to do it, but they've got some folks. Now my question is, how's Robin Voss going to respond? Oh, don't forget, another hurdle. The Elections Commission notified Robin Voss of the effort and they said, oh, by the way, we're not sure this can even happen because the state Supreme Court threw out the, the maps that we have right now. That includes an order you cannot have any elections under the map currently drawn. If you can't have an election with it, we're not sure you can have a recall election with it or even be recalled. Mm -hmm. How do you circulate petitions for a district that doesn't, doesn't really exist right now under the court's interpretation? So that's another issue. But for Voss, this is pressure, all right? Uh, Robin faced this primary challenge in 2022. He was targeted in 2020 uh, when we didn't know what was gonna happen. Polls were all over the place. Sometimes when you're targeted, you can panic a little bit. Robin Voss is a really good uh, strategist that comes to politics. But when you're in the microscope, do you do what's best for the team? What's best for your future? That's a big question out there. And oh, by the way, don't forget, there's actually a benefit to this for Robin. You could raise unlimited funds during the window when these uh, petitions be circulated. Democrats have had this giant weapon, the Death Star, financially, with the state party because unlimited donations are getting. Robin can now go out and level the playing field with the Sony Dems a bit with this. Now, I'm not sure if you'll be able to, but makes the pitch at least. That might help. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting, but it's a huge hill to climb. And again, it might be nicked, nipped in the bud by this whole Supreme Court decision. Right, and we know Voss has seen this pressure before. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting going to watch is Donald Trump supporters, there's a lot of them, no doubt. Um, we've seen even through all of these criminal uh, charges that he's facing, uh, it doesn't seem to impact him with raising money. So when I asked even Voss during a lot of our end of the year interviews and talking to him, you know, are you worried about this pressure and, and what it could do to possibly what your new district might look up and just like your future here in the legislature? And he wasn't too concerned, but that always probably is something in the back of his head is that, you know, if you cross Donald Trump once or twice, three times, you know, what could the impact be? So it's definitely something interesting to watch going forward.
different. Uh, let's move on to the state Supreme Court after a complaint was resolved. And this complaint centers around Randy Koshnick, who was the fired state, uh, former, excuse me, uh, state director of courts. So the Judicial Commission uh, dismissed his complaint this week that was filed by him over his termination. Three of the four justices fired back against the complaint filed by Koshnick and are now asking the commission to launch an investigation after he publicized his firing, something we talked about here on the show. So the complaint process is supposed to be secret. That doesn't always happen, part because people use complaints to kind of take digs at each other. So the, the three justices waive their confidentiality with the letter that they released showing that they've been cleared by the commission. Also waive their confidentiality with the letter that they circulated uh, to some of us in the media saying, we want you to go after Koshnick. That this, you're being used as a weapon essentially politically to go after people and kind of silence um, us. That's not right. This is not the first time there's been a request like that from the justices. Karofsky, one of the liberal members of the court, go back to 2020, there was the argument about overturning the election results by Donald Trump. She referred to Trump's attorney as someone trying to protect the ki his king, quote unquote. Jesse making as a racist request to try to overturn votes in Milwaukee and Dane County. The commission rejected a complaint against Karofsky over those comments, but also kind of chided her. You should be more respectful on the bench, essentially. Her trying to fire back, no, you guys shouldn't be doing this kind of stuff and not trying to silence somebody. So there's a tension there. Now, my question is, will the commission do anything to Koshnick? I, I don't oh, know. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, but this is more drama with the court than what's been going on with the majorities that took over in August. All right. And today, let's look ahead to redistricting because today is the deadline where all the parties that are involved in the suit must submit new maps. There could be up to six possible proposals that could be submitted today, JR. So today is the deadline. Also, supporting arguments are due 10 days from now. And, oh, by the way, the court yesterday reject, rejected a request by GOP lawmakers to reconsider its ruling for throwing out the Republican legislative districts and pausing the redistricting suit. So a lot going on and a lot to look forward to tonight. So those maps, they should have an analysis from each party that submits one of a partisan balance. That's what I'm looking for to mm -hmm. see their estimate of how many seats you'd have, Democrat and Republican, in each chamber. That's something to watch. The consultants who are hired, getting paid up to 100000 bucks each, they have until February 1st to do a report on these maps. They can request changes of the parties. So um, I'll be looking through them this weekend, dork that I am, to see what's in there. But my next thing is, when will Republicans go to the U.S. Supreme Court and ask them to intervene and try to shut this thing down? That's a huge question hanging over everything right now. Right. I think uh, what I've also heard this week, too, is they want to see the maps and then likely possible action heading to the U.S. Supreme Court because the clock is ticking on that as well. All right, let's get to stock picks this week. And rising is Obamacare enrollment. Yeah, enrollments are up. Uh, record year in Wisconsin and record enrollments nationally in the program, up over 20 million people nationally. Now, there are a number of things that drove this. Uh, longer windows, more flexible time to file stuff. I think keep in mind in Wisconsin is there's an ongoing debate between Governor Evers and Republicans about expanding Medicaid, right, through Obamacare. Um, this is one more reason Republicans will not going to yield on that issue because they're going to argue, look, we have enough options for people for the private sector to cover folks. We need to expand Medicaid, how much Tony Evers wants to do it because of this. All right, and a mix this week, we're going to go back to a, a bill that we talked about earlier this week, which is Final Five. And yes, got to give it the bill credit. It received hearings in both houses. Is it likely going to land at the governor's desk? I would say very unlikely. Um, there's a lot of conservatives who are just so frustrated. We've seen it on a lot of social media this week that just say, please stop this conversation. Um, and they have a reason why. Yeah, well, I, I rarely see an, 
issue that would that lights up talk radio, sets it on fire, really, right. that gets not just one hearing, but two. So the question is kind of been why. And I think there are one, for my calls, there's, there's a group of Republicans who are true believers. They really want something like this. Number two, there's a donor class of Republicans who want to go back to the old ways. They don't like the populist trajectory of the Republican Party under Donald Trump. They miss Paul Ryan. They miss Reed Ribble. Reed Ribble's a big proponent of Final mm -hmm. Five. Their argument is that this would lead to more moderate candidates. So looking at how maps are drawn, they're so good at slicing and dicing these maps anymore. There are very few true competitive races left. It means you win your primary, you're gonna win the general election. You have nothing to worry about besides taking care of the base. Um, that also has helped promote people who may not be more about governing than they are about performance art mm -hmm. and politics. Go look at the House in Washington. It is a interesting place to be sometimes. So the argument is that this would change it. Now for others are saying, no, this would be confusing. This is also would silence conservative voices. They feel like this is not a good idea. But again, I, I get the impression that this donor class is pushing for it. One of the people behind or groups lobbying for it, the Milwaukee Metropolitan Association of Commerce, that's your traditional Republican donor class that wants this more business-oriented model. But the party is going a different direction. It is the party of Donald Trump. It is the party of populism. It is not Paul Ryan. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's an interesting change to watch. My question is, this isn't going to go anywhere, not going to get on the floor, but there's an amendment out there to ban Final Th Five voting. I was just going to bring that up. Yeah, it's a constitutional amendment. Yes. Right? So that would have passed both houses back-to-back -back session or session to be for the voters. There are three Senate Republicans on the Final Five voting bill, so that's three votes, no votes probably on the amendment. Can that amendment get done this mm -hmm. session? No, it's just something to kind of keep an eye on. Right, and also important to note that this proposal would apply to federal elections, yeah. and there has been past efforts that was called ranked choice voting. Kind of a similar conce concept didn't go anywhere as well. All right, let's uh, start with falling, and Milwaukee crime is down, even though some people uh, in the area still don't love the numbers. Yeah, well, it, look, the COVID blip may be over. It may just be a blip. Um, we were kind of wondering for a while, was it going to be a blip or was it going to be a permanent thing? But it's not just more, all crimes are down, homicides, uh, property theft, those kinds of things. It's probably a national trend. Things are going back to quote unquote normal maybe. Now, my question is, will this be an issue in 2024? Donald Trump wants to make it one, and I won't assume anything about Donald Trump being the nominee for Republicans, but we'll get our first taste next week in Iowa mm -hmm. of how strong he may be in terms of a campaigner, that he's making this big issue of crime, right? So Republicans aren't gonna concede anything on crime right now. Numbers are down, but they're gonna say they're still too high. There are still problems, like I think the homicides are down in Milwaukee, a bigger share were kids that were yeah. killed, for example. Mm -hmm. Not a great trend. But in 2022, Ron Johnson made crime a big deal in his campaign, and it was successful, and he beat Mandela Barnes. Now, there were a couple of things that played into that, probably. Mandela um, you know, had the Abolish Ice t-shirt, for example, that picture. Democrats argue race was a factor in that. But in the governor's race, they made crime an issue against Evers, didn't work, you won by 3.4 percentage points. Also paroled. Mm -hmm. um, there, the argument was, I heard, was that other issues like abortion superseded it. So my question is, will crime work this fall? Now look, look at the Gallup poll, people believe crime is on the rise. They're not matching the numbers. I'm not sure that this is gonna change their minds about their perception of what's going on, but will it be a big issue this fall? Will it be a, a successful issue this a fall for Republicans? Issue. Right, yes. and you know, some candidates I say are trying to connect crime to the border crisis mm -hmm. as well. So that's also a reoccurring theme. Now, 
just separate the two, I think border crisis could possibly maybe be a winning issue because it is something that talking to Republican voters, they are very concerned about. But, you know, not in my backyard. We're not seeing buses of yeah. migrants come here. Will it be a defining issue? And Wisconsin is a good question going forward. All Absolutely. right. That will do it for this week. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Emily Fannin. And I'm J.R. Ross. We'll see you next week. This program was brought to you from the Margaret Farrell Studio. Rewind. Your Week in Review is sponsored by the Wisconsin Realtors Association. Bringing Wisconsin communities to life with great homes, businesses, and neighborhoods. The Wisconsin Realtors Association. The voice of real estate. 